With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Radio Show. Thank you for listening and tuning in wherever you are in the now around the world. Uh, we've got a huge uh, player uh, in uh, the game of uh, mindset and making it happen and reframing. The, the book is called Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. And Rick Peterson is with me today. Uh, he has coached some of baseball's best picture, pictures, pictures uh, in the past 20 years, uh, including Cy Young Award winners uh, and Hall of Famers. He was the Oakland Athletics pitching coach uh, during the famed Moneyball era and has served as a coach with the New York Mets, Chicago White Sox, yay, my hometown, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Milwaukee Brewers. He is currently uh, Director of Pitching Development with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he holds a combined degree in psychology and art, and he, along with Judd uh, Hoekstra, are the authors of Crunch Time. Welcome, Rick. How you doing? I'm phenomenal, man. Um, uh, I'm almost as phenomenal as you. Uh, but uh, you have had an incredible life, and this is an incredible book and work. And one of the, the pivotal pieces of this work is what you call reframing. And you have used this throughout uh, your career, but you've also used it in your personal life as well. For those who are not familiar, familiar with the term or the application, can you give us a little background on that? Yeah, what reframing is literally is looking at a situation in a very unique way, especially especially in crunch time when when the pressure when, when there's money on the table and you're and you're really in a pressure situation. And we all deal with pressure, whether it's in you know whether it's in your life, you know your personal life, your career, your financial. You know we all have our own personal pressures that we deal with on a daily life. And you know in the sports world. You know, it's just done. It's magnified. It's done in front of live audiences and you know mm-hmm. sellout crowds. And and so what reframing is is literally taking a look at a situation and asking yourself, what is my opportunity here, as opposed to looking at it as a threat, a threatening situation. And and literally, there's a physi- 
there's a physical response to this because when we're, when we're under pressure, what happens is your body actually releases this cortisol that goes through your system. Your mouth gets dry, your your your, your palms get sweaty, your muscles get tight, your 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 mind gets really cloudy. You know, you, there's no rational thought going on. And on the other hand, when when we're in that state of performing at our best under pressure, mm-hmm. our body releases dopamine, which literally dilates the blood vessels. It allows oxygen and glucose to go through the system, allows us to think very clearly, and we're, and we're excited about the opportunity to perform at our best. So the people that have the skill set that are incredibly successful, you take a look at the Derek Cheaters, you know, you know, Hall of Famer, Mariano Rivera, some of the pitchers that I've coached, Tom Glavin, Pedro Martinez, um, you know, the, the, these guys, when the pressure's on, when, when the pressure's on, you know, whether it's in postseason or during the season, they look at it as a, as a tremendous opportunity to perform at their best and, and, and really, you know, really kind of ignite the crowd, you know, literally, and bring, to bring the crowd into that, and everybody gets excited about, you know, this kind of high-level performance. Absolutely, and, and, you know, what you're saying is so true. Uh, most, most people look at uh, sports uh, athletics as a physical uh, event, uh, when really it is a mental event uh, that if they did not have uh, the coaching, uh, the mindset training, they, their bodies wouldn't be able to perform at the level that is needed under that level of pressure. Well, no question about it. And you take a look at some of the top performers, like, like for example, you take a look at, at Tom Brady, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, he was, well, he drafted sixth round. In, in his first his first spring camp or summer camp, he walks up to Robert Kraft and said, "This is the best decision you guys ever made." And 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 what what makes him one of the best quarterbacks in the game? He runs faster, he jumps higher, he has the best arm. No, it's his mind. And I think when people really understand that your your mind your mind is your master and your body's your servant, your body will follow where your mind where your mind is. And when you look at that, when you look at that, what was it, twenty eight to three? with like three minutes left in the third quarter. And, and I've, I've met many directors of you know, the, the people who direct the broadcast on television, you know, for, for sporting events. And, sure. and what do they show? What do they show? They show your whole TV screen is filled up with Tom Brady's face. Why? Because, because they, they, want to, they, they want to give you the insight. What is he thinking and what is he feeling? Where is his emotions right now? And there is no question about it. During that crunch time moment, there was no panic on that face. This was an opportunity. And he even said it in his postgame. We went into the locker room at halftime and we said, we have, we have an unbelievable opportunity to have the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. They looked at it as an opportunity. Wow. How about that? This is very powerful, you know, because, okay, I'm thinking of um, young uh, athletes getting into – the game, and, and this can also, ladies and gentlemen, of course, just be applied to, you know, the, the, the soccer mom, you know, uh, and with, with kids in sports. But looking at it as an opportunity as opposed to a threat, uh, this is something that really can be used. I mean, we're, we're speaking about, you know, top-level athletes, but this is something that can be used across the board in every aspect of your life. In, in everybody's daily life. I, I did a – I actually did a, an hour and a half presentation yes, yesterday at the at Columbia University for one of their graduate classes, and 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 literally, I mean, these these people are 
you know, on the cusp of going out in the world to make a difference in people's lives. You know, so again, you know, you, you look at, you know, a surgeon that goes into surgery. I mean, that's an opportunity. I mean, you look at Dr. Andrews, who, you know, I actually received the Dr. Andrews Lifetime Achievement Award a couple of years ago. Mm. I mean, he, he, he's, he's operating on some, of the, on some of the top athletes in the history of the game. And mm-hmm. so he, if he goes in there and screws this operation up, this guy's career is done. It's over. Mm-hmm. But he looks, at, he looks at it as an opportunity to revive this. And he looks at it at a very high level because he looks at it like not only is he going to heal this person's, you know, hip or he did Bo Jackson's hip, he did Roger Clemens' shoulder, I mean, on and on, all the elbows and shoulders he's done in professional baseball. But he looks at it not only as an opportunity to get this person back on the field, but an opportunity for this person to make a difference in the fans that follow this person. You know, this, this is also inter, so also interconnected. And, and I think if you get and, – and what, what we've realized over the years, this is not something that you're born with. This is mm-hmm. a skill set mm-hmm. you can learn. Mm-hmm. And everybody can learn. And, and, and if we just take the moment when that fear, worry, and doubt starts to overcome us and push the pause button, and say, wait a second, what's my opportunity? Because fear, worry, and doubt stands on four legs, a lack of preparation, a lack of insight, a lack of talent, and a lack of knowledge. So if you push the pause button and say, am I prepared for this? Do I have confidence in, in my talent level? Do I have the knowledge to perform this test or skill or presentation, whatever it is? And do I have the insight to make adjustments along the way? If the answer is yes to all those questions, Fear, worry, and doubt is defeated. It's totally mm-hmm. defeated. Mm-hmm. And that's your opportunity. Well, I really like this because, uh, and I want to, you know, dig even deeper uh, into this this conversation of, of, of reframing and turning threats into uh, uh, opportunities. Uh, there's a quote uh, uh, in, in, in the book and, and, and in the uh, bio that says, overcome our inner caveman and start using our conscious brain. Dig deeper with me on that. So, so the caveman is the part of your brain, and I'm not, I don't want to get over technical. We, we really wanted to make this in layman's terms. Sure. Not, not, a, not a, what do I say, not a biology class. But in the, in the base of your brain is your amygdala, and, and it's an automatic response. And the caveman, you know, back in the day, this is all about, this is all about fight, flight, or freeze, and people leave out the freeze. And the caveman was very valuable back in the prehistoric days because that's what allowed you to survive. But our pressures in most cases in our daily lives, this is not about a threatening situation that our, that our lives are threatened. It, it's more that our minds are threatened. And fear, worry, and doubt is an automatic response. When these events happen, you can't stop it. It's an automatic response. This is what your brain does. But mm. then you have another what you have another part of your brain in the in your prefrontal cortex that's really your conscious thinker. So when you're able to when the caveman starts starts to like take over your thoughts and you're saying like, geez, am I good enough to do this? I mean, it, what if I fail? My teammates are going to think I'm a big loser. What if I fail this test? What if I what if I what if I you know totally mess up on this whole um, sales presentation and I blow the sales cycle? You know, what if I do all these negative things and, you know, people will think I'm a loser. I'll be embarrassed. This is so, you know, self-defeating. The, mm-hmm. the, the, people, that are, the people that are winners, and it's always about developing a winning culture within yourself personally and, and within your own personal team, whether it's in sports or in business. 
And, and what is a winning attitude? And what if you don't have it? How do you get it? Well, what a winning attitude is, it's habits of thought and it's habits of action, routines. And people that are winners, they have, ha- they have productive habits of thought because they always ask themselves, what's my opportunity? Or when a problem comes up, they don't dwell on the problem. They look at the solution. I mean, so how many of us have been in the car and get a flat tire? I mean, how long are you going to sit in the car going, geez, are you kidding me? Do you believe we got a flat tire? This is awful. <laughs> it's like, hey, we got a spare in the back. Let's get out and change the tire and let's move on. Let's get down Absolutely. the road. And, and, that's, and that's your opportunity. And, and when you look at literally a lot of, if you look at your personal lives we, and, and go back in, in time and think about some of the most terrible things that happened to us, in most cases, if we turned out to be successful people, those moments shifted us in a whole other direction in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't the worst, it wasn't the worst thing in the end of the day that really happened to us. It wasn't that moment but then it shifted us to go in a totally different direction so that we become successful and go down another path. And it's basically like in your GPS, hey, we're going to make a wrong turn once in a while. We're going to have a setback. We're going to make a mistake. But what, what literally is the opportunity for a setback? It's to prepare yourself for your comeback. That you can get back on the and come back and be successful. And, 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 and it's okay to make a mistake. We're all going to make them. And, and Steven Soderbergh, you know, who's a friend of mine who actually the first stab at the movie Moneyball, I was a technical director with Steven Soderbergh. And one of the things that I learned from Steven Soderbergh, he said, in order to be really successful, you have to have this, you have to have intrinsically this, this error correction because we know coming in that we're going to make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. But we have to, we have to, the key is not to make the same ones over and over again and le- learn from your mistake and move on and not beat yourself up. And, and one of the things I say to the pitchers that I've coached over the years, like when things aren't going well and let's say, you know, you walk the leadoff hitter, you know, you make a bad pitch and you're out there, you know, going, God, I am like so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. I mean, what the hell's the matter with me? And you listen to all that inner, that inner dialogue. If that was actually put on a microphone, and people could actually hear how you were talking to yourself, you'd be institutionalized. People mm-hmm. would think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I say to our pitchers, what would you think of me as a coach if I walked up to you and started talking to you the way that you're talking to yourself? Mm. You'd, think like, you'd think like, what a jerk this guy is. Mm-hmm. Well, well mm-hmm. is, is, it okay to, is it okay to be your own worst coach? The answer is no, it's not okay. You know, this is, this is amazing. Another thing that you guys talk about in this book is, is why trying easy is more effective than trying harder. Please unpack that. That's amazing. Well, I think what happens is when, when we're under pressure, we, we've had this, like, kind of drilled in our mind as kids, hey, we've got to give 100, 110%. Well, 110% in your preparation, yes. But 110% in your performance, the answer is no. You have to learn how to get your foot off the gas pedal. And there's some really incredible stories. Sandy Koufax is probably one of the most compelling, where Sandy Koufax, for the first several years of his career, was not very good. He had a losing record. And he still had great stuff, great fastball, great curveball. But he, wasn't, he, was, a, he was a losing pitcher. And in spring training, and, and, and this is Sandy in his own words, and, and I had the chance to meet Sandy and, and talk with him at length when I was a pitching coach with the Mets. He would come to spring training 
and we'd spend some time together. But one of the things that he talked about was he was scheduled to pitch. This is actually a B game in spring training, meaning it's not the game on the main field that you go to in a spring training game where all the fans are there. This is on a backfield. And he was scheduled to pitch five innings. And the, the pitcher that was supposed to follow him to finish the last four innings of the game actually missed the flight. So Sandy said, listen, I, I can pitch a couple extra innings. I mean, it's no problem. And so his roommate and catcher, Norm Sherry, said, hey, Sandy, listen, at this point of spring, you don't want to really extend yourself and put yourself at risk of injury. So, mm-hmm. look, you know, just get your foot off the gas pedal. You know, back off a little bit. Just pitch about 80 90%, 80-90%, and, and so you don't, like, really strain your arm. Well, the pitcher that finished that game turned out to be the Hall of Famer. That jump-started his career. He pitched a no-hitter that day and pitched a complete game. And he said, what I understood was I, that I, if I can just try easy and take the grunt out, and, and, I, and I realized that I had the same fastball that I had when I put the grunt into this and try as hard as I can every pitch, but I have better, I have better location and I have better movement on my fastball. And he realized with just a little bit less effort, you know, I, I was able to perform at my best. The other great story is Katie Ledecky, who holds the, the world record for the 1,500-meter freestyle in women's. So in one of the trials, or the, the uh, what I say, one of the preliminary heats to get to the finals, which she was going to, you know, get to the finals easily, but she had to go through two, two heats. So her coach said, listen, for the first 900 meters, you know, just, just go really just nice and easy. And the mm-hmm. next 300 meters, you know, maybe, maybe just put a little bit, put a little bit more into it. And then the last 300 meters, you know, your choice, you know, do whatever you think, you know, however you feel. And she said, I was going so nice and easy because I didn't want to, I didn't want to exert myself, you know, so I'd be ready for the finals. And then when I finished the race and I looked up, she, she broke her own world record. That was her world record, the, the best time she ever had. And she realized that, you know, just literally by, by, by backing off a little bit, I had better rhythm, you know, I had better technique. I was nice and loose. I had a nice flow to it. And, and it's really, and I say this to a lot of pitchers because a lot of, you know, a lot of pitchers wear Nikes. And I say, mm-hmm. and I asked them after a tough outing, and they said, God, I was just trying so hard. I said, you got Nikes on, right? They go, yeah. I said, what's that slogan? Just do it. I said, you need to change your shoes. I said, you need to change your shoes, man. You need to put the just try it's on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You even used the analogy of Michael Jordan uh, gave you some great revelations on how to uh, prepare and, and prep time uh, for for a game. Well, I was a young pitching coach with the White Sox back in the '90s, early '90s, and Michael Jordan was playing baseball at the time. He took that time off from the NBA, and I, I don't think all of us couldn't get enough of being around Michael Jordan. I mean, he's Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, to really to really see like what makes Michael Jordan so special. You know, obviously he's got great talent. And, and I had the opportunity as a young coach to ask Michael, I said, Michael, was there like ever a moment, was there ever like really a moment in your life that you realize, holy geez, like I'm, I'm MJ, I'm Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He said, actually, that actually there was. He said, after my sophomore year, Coach Smith always told me that, Michael, you're, you're one of the greatest young talents of, of, our, of our generation. And, and, and he always talked to me about like, how great my talent was 
and, and, and really tried to encourage me to understand like what, what a great career I could have. So after my sophomore year, he took practice footages or footage videotape and game footage. And he scrambled them of his freshman year and sophomore year. And he said, Michael, I want you to go through every clip and I want you to tell me what year each one of this clip is from. So he went through the exercise, freshman, sophomore, sophomore, freshman, freshman, sophomore. And afterwards he said, so what's your takeaway from this, Michael? And he said, you know what? He said, I, I, I realized that, you know, my freshman year, I had a great year. I had a great year and I prepared great. He said, my sophomore year, I had a really, really good year. And I prepared really, really good. And I realized that talent does not equal performance, but preparation equals performance. And I, and I realized with the great talent that everybody had told me that I have, that if I prepare great, then I had the opportunity to be one of the greatest players of all time. And, and that, that was so insightful to me because – the question is, can we all be as good as Michael Jordan? The answer is no. Can we all prepare like Michael Jordan? The answer is yes. Mm. And one, of the things, one of the things that I say to all our pitchers, that will everybody here pitch in the big leagues and have a big league career? Probably not. You know, the odds are against us all. I mean, to, to, to be at that elite level is, is really, it's a privilege without mm-hmm. question. But the prerequisite of being a great major league player is you have to be a, ma- a great major league person, and and, and that's having the, having have productive winning habits of thought, and having routines that we prepare at a high level every day, and the price to be best is an incredibly high price, and 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 unfortunate, and you have to pay full price. You can't go to Walmart, you can't go to Target. There's no coupons for it. It doesn't go on sale. You got to pay full price every day, and and that's what being best is about. Wow. I love that. I love that. You talk about shifting from pessimism to optimism in three steps. Share that with us, please. Well, it, basically, no, number one, you, you, you recognize that, okay, this is a pressure situation. Fear, worry, and doubt is starting to overcome me. My caveman is starting, is starting to take over. And then I ask myself, do I really want to think this way? And if the answer is yes, then continue on that path and let your caveman take over the situation. If the answer is no, then let's push the pause button. Let's ask ourselves, what is the opportunity? And let's start looking at some different, uh, some different possibilities of how we can react in this way. Because if we change our thoughts, once again, our mind is our master. If we change our thoughts, then we change our actions. And once we change our actions, then we change the outcome. And, and, that's, and that's what it takes to be successful. You um, you also uh, uh, call reframing uh, a powerful life hack. What do you mean by that? Well, what we mean by that is that really what you're doing is you're hacking your caveman thought, your caveman consciousness, mm-hmm. and 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 what happens is your your caveman takes over, and you know maybe not like what happened in the election with the Russians, but you, you but you want to you want to hack that caveman thought. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you and you and you want to and you want to shift it to, to your conscious thinker, and once your conscious thinker takes over, you start looking at the realm of possibilities, you know, the, the realm of solutions, the, the realm of opportunities, and and all the great people that I've been around, the great players, and you know the the you know when when Michael Lewis is writing Moneyball, he tra- he traveled with us that year, and I sat next to Michael for six months on the team bus. 
and and we had we had just unbelievable conversations um, because Moneyball reframed the, the baseball industry totally, and and right after Moneyball came out, that's when teams started shifting to to the Moneyball philosophy. Before mm-hmm. that. The Oakland A's were really the only ones, and then about four or five teams started going on that path. But now, all 30 teams are Moneyball teams. Everybody's using um, statistical probabilities and predictive analysis. So the, the difference maker now for teams is to, is to shift into the mental part of the game and, and get into the the literal mental makeup of, of the person, so that you can generate great team chemistry. And, and and bring together a whole group of people that are that are greater than the sum of their individual parts, and 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 that's the next that's the next generation. And when you take a look at like Google, for example, Google came out with a with a in-house program called Search Inside Yourself Mindfulness Training, and it became so popular they took it out and offered it to the public. And and mindfulness training is starting to become, you know, really something that's incredibly you know, day-to-day routine for people that is incredibly powerful. And actually, really started. It really started in our country when the Beatles went over to India with the Maharishi. And when they when they came back, you know, they they took the transcendental meditation, and there was a big movement that went from that from from that point on. But when you when you listen to, you know, what's going on inside Fortune 500 companies, there's a lot of, you know, there, there, and my my. My business partner, who does a lot of corporate uh, workshops and, and executive coaching, you know, she's been teaching mindfulness training for 15 years to incorporate mm-hmm. that. And and, um, and that, that and that's where it's really going because you have yeah. to have a practice. You have to have an individual practice, and there's many way, routines. I mean, you could take a walk, you know, walk through the park or a walk on the beach or, you know, a bike ride or a yoga class. I mean, there's many different ways, and there's so many different apps on your phone now. You know, like Headspace is a real popular one. Um, but but in order to train your mind, and, and that's listening to Steven Soderbergh and, you know, that that segment in the book where, where, you know, we interview Steven Soderbergh and he talks about, he said, look, doing these scenes in the movie, it's like standing behind the, the, an engine of a, a jet engine when it's ready to take off. And he said, we, I have to get my mind so peaceful, so calm, and so relaxed when we got on the set so that everything slowed down. And if things started going sideways, I literally would like get everybody off the set, focus on the solution and then bring everybody back. Because if it starts going sideways for any length of time, you, c- you couldn't get it back on track. Mm-hmm. It's too powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is absolutely amazing. You know, the mindfulness is really a good, uh, a good component. Cause I was going to ask you, it's like, what can we do on a daily basis? to begin implementing this because most of this is situational where we're, you know, um, dealing with something that is an event. But what you're saying is that this is something we can practice on a daily basis so that when those events come up, we can and have the power to reframe uh, and apply it effectively because we've been doing mindfulness work uh, on a daily basis. Exactly. You're exactly right. Because it's a skill, once again. And it's a skill that you can, and, and what literally happens, the physiology of the brain, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of science and data out here, and it's one of my favorite quotes, and God we trust, all others must have data. <laughs> but, there's a, but there's a lot of data that indicates that the physiology of the brain, you create space literally in your mind 
from the distance from the caveman, you know, to the conscious thinker. And, and that's having the skill set to push the pause button and just stop. Just push the pause button for a second. Because what happens is you get short of breath. Like I said, you know, the, the cortisol starts going through your system. You get short of breath. You know, your, your mind starts to race. You, know, mm-hmm. you, hear people, you hear people in sports say, geez, like the game sped up on me. The game, mm-hmm. the, game, the game's going the same speed. Your mind is speeding up on you is what's happening. And, and you have to be able to recognize this and, and literally, like I said, stop, push the pause button, take a deep breath, and say, wait a second, I want to, do, I want, do I want to keep thinking these thoughts or, or do I want to start thinking about opportunities? Because once you start thinking about opportunities, you go, you go down the realm of, of new possibilities and you look at the situation totally different. Absolutely amazing. You even uh, talk about uh, how Martin Luther King Jr. used reframing to galvanize the civil rights movement. I mean, think, think about that, really. I mean, and, I, and I, I was old enough, I mean, I was old enough to remember that. I, I watched that live in, in Washington, D.C. Wow. I, mean, I, was, I, was, I was very young. I was maybe seven years old, whatever. But, uh-huh. but I mean, but I do, I do vividly remember that. And I, and I wrote a you know, later on in high school, I wrote a major paper on Martin Luther King because I was just so, you know, well, my dad managed in the minor leagues to the 60s in the South. So as a young boy, I, I saw the civil rights movement. I mean, I, I sold popcorn and peanuts in Kinson, North Carolina. I was seven years old at the ballpark. And the first base bleachers w- was only for African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. because I because I grew up in New Jersey and because of baseball, you know, baseball had, you know, Jackie Robinson had already been in. You know, the Pirates had more African or more Latin American players than any team in all baseball. You know, so they were they were very diverse at that time. And and so as a young boy I, I didn't I didn't know any better. So I'm selling popcorn and peanuts and I go to go underneath the chain to go into the first base bleachers and the and the usher said, He goes, Rick, that's that's only for blacks. I said, Well, everybody likes popcorn and peanuts, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I I didn't know any different. But but when you think about how stressful, and you know, in the country, I mean, it was like, you know, the the stress of the civil rights movement, and now Martin Luther King brings all these people to Washington D.C. at the Washington Monument, and and people were, I remember literally, I mean, all the security was there. I mean, they didn't know if this was going to be turned into an all-out riot. And he starts off, I have a dream. I have a dream, and his dream was about bringing people together, you know, people working together, living together, you know, going to school together, you know, the whole deal. And, and it was like he reframed, he, he totally reframed the whole civil rights movement. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That is absolutely amazing. Um, the, the book, ladies and gentlemen, is Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters the Most, Rick Peterson. Uh, is uh, also co-author with uh, Jude Hoekstra, uh, and this is an amazing uh, uh, book for uh, anyone who wants to uh, elevate their game, uh, elevate their mind, peak performance. You can't get much better than Rick Peterson and peak performance, but to elevate whatever aspect of your life that is, whether that's on your job, whether that is uh, you as an entrepreneur, or if you're in sports and athletics, it will work there as well. It would even work, I would actually uh, go as far as saying it would work in relationships. It will improve your relationships, uh, uh, both intimate relationships and social relationships. Do you agree? 
Without question. In fact, I, actually, and now if you can look at rickpetersoncoaching.com, that, that's, our, that's our website because I'm now, I'm, I'm now really going into a new chapter in my life of doing a lot of keynote speaking, corporate workshops, and, um, and it was interesting. We just did a, we did a, a keynote and a, and, a, and a workshop for a small company the other day, and, and it was interesting. Right afterwards, the CEO of the company um, called, and he said, you know what? He goes, I started using Reframe. He goes, thanks so much for, you know, this is so insightful. And he said, we're, we're all, you know, the whole buzz around the office now is says we're all talking about, you know, what's our opportunity and how do we reframe? And he said, you know, I was going through this situation with my wife last night. And he said, he goes, honey, what, you know, what's our opportunity here? Yeah, and they both looked at each other and, and and literally laughed like you did because when you can bring humor to a situation, you know, th- then you start to release the, sure. the dopamine throughout your system and you start to become more relaxed. And and they started, you know, they laughed and they said, yeah, you know, we do have opportunities here. How grateful are we that we have this, you know, incredible relationship because, you know, you just get into these awful habits mm-hmm. and then you just react. You automatically react the same way. And then you pull yourself away from it and go like, what am I, what am I doing? What, what, I mean, what's my opportunity here? Wow. And yeah, it's really, yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say that backwards. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that is amazing. That is really amazing. So rickpetersoncoaching.com uh, is, is where you can go and uh, connect with Rick. Of course, the book is available on, on Amazon. Any other things that, we need to know about socially, or your your, your Facebooks, or Twitters. Or how can people get in uh, get engulfed uh, with uh, the Rick Peterson uh, uh, philosophy? Well, well, my my Twitter is Rick Peterson CT Crunch Time, um, and of course, you know, you can find me on you can find me on Facebook, and you know, it's re- it's really been you know after after coaching for so many years and. You know, 15 years in the big leagues, I've had an incredible, incredible privilege to for what I've been able to do. And I, I look at, and so now it's like I, I feel like it's time for me to, you know, to coach at a different level and to really share this with people out, outside of our industry, uh-huh. because I because I real because I, I re, what I've realized over the years is that the people that are the people that are best when you watch in sports. And it was really fascinating as well. Last thing I'll share with you, I'm watching the the couple days before the Masters last mm-hmm. week ago, mm-hmm. and they were interviewing. You know, they had they had the press conferences for all the all the players, and I just so happened to have it on when Jordan Spieth was on, and and they said, Jordan, you know, we you know we've asked this question a zillion times last year at the 12th hole. You know, he had what do you have a two shot lead going into the the 12th hole on, on su- Sunday afternoon. And he, he got too aggressive with his target and put the first shot in the water and, the, and then got and then did the same thing again on the second shot and got really aggressive with it and it rolled back into the water again. And and they and they asked him, they said, What were you thinking as you were walking to the thirteenth tee after that awful, you know, mistakes on, on, on the twelfth hole? And he said, You went you went in to the twelfth hole with a two shot lead and you're walking to the thirteenth green down down by a stroke. He said, what were you thinking at that time? He said, now I have the opportunity to win the Masters by coming from behind. <laughs> wow, that is a reframe. That is a powerful reframe. Wow. 
Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And, that and I think he's amazing. Because you know, it, it yeah. reminds me of that old quote: "Failure is not an option." So you don't even you don't even entertain the 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 uh, possibility of, of of failure or losing. You completely reframe it as an opportunity in some way. Yeah, because exactly. And and when you have and, and when you have the skill set to do, again, it's a skill. That's not something that's in your DNA. Sure. I mean, some people some people have it in their DNA. I mean, I, I you know I think we all get that. You know, Muhammad Ali probably had that in his DNA. But but it's a skill. If you don't have it, it's a skill that you can learn, and wow. we all can learn it. Because I I've had many pitchers, and I'm and I think you know from you know just the confidentiality. I'm not going to mention names, but sure. I, I've had many pitchers that had that had great big league careers that did not have this early on in their career. Uh-huh. They, you know, they struggled with it. And, and I realized because my degree is in my, my educational background is in performance related behavior, sports psychology with a combination of art. And, and I, and I realized, I mean, and, and I was so intrigued. And the reason why I studied that in school is because, you know, here I was drafted out of high school by the Orioles and, and in Junior college, we were pre-ranked number one in the nation. We had, we finished second in the nation, and then at Jacksonville University, we, we were as high as fourth in the nation. And I got to tell you, the, the stress of going to pitch, you know, like against Florida State when they're ranked number one. I mean, I was emotional wreck before the game. I mean, once the game started, I, I would once the game started, I was fine. But before the game started, you know, I, I really struggled. I mean, and it's you know, I, I say this to pitchers all the time. It's good to have butterflies, but they got to fly in formation. <laughs> I love that. And, and, yeah, and and so I I took a I took a transcendental meditation class, you know, when I was 21 years old because I, I wanted to learn how to control my mind more effectively. Mm. Um, you know, and so I, I mean, what I studied is what I was trying, what I was like, kind of. I mean, how great is this? I mean, what you're trying to learn you know, to apply right now, I'm in school and I could take classes and then learn it and study it. And, you know, and then as I got into coaching, I realized that, you know, yeah, I mean, I coach, you know, I studied biomechanics with, with an ASMI with Dr. Andrews. I mean, adjusting deliveries, that's like moving furniture around the room, but, but, but coaching, coaching the mind is a whole nother level. And, and the more that you have the skill set to understand where the mind is of the person that you're coaching. Because in order to be a great teacher, you have to be a great student. And you become a great student of the people that you're coaching. And, mm. and, and, then, and once you learn what that person's mind is about, you know, th- then you can go, you can speak their language and, 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 and really help take their mind down the path of reframing and, and looking for solutions and opportunities. You know, a connection I just made uh, from from listening to you talk about mindfulness, talk about reframing, and many of the people who you uh, mentioned throughout the program, uh, this mindfulness training and reframing work that that you're doing that you talk about in the book, uh, I would I would uh, uh, assert uh, would help people with. Uh, addictions or, or perhaps keep them away from it because usually it's when you're under a lot, a lot of pressure, you're looking for a way to escape or to numb. <clears throat> this right. work takes all of that away. So like when you were talking about the Tom Brady's and all these, 
these are very uh, even keel people, not just on the field, but in their life. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty much the same, and there's not a lot of chaos surrounding them or addictions and, 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 and crazy behavior. Would you, would you uh, agree with that? Without question. There's no question about it. You know, I mean, because they're, they're just so, they're so driven. You know, but again, I'm going to say this. There's, those are small percentages of people that are just have this burning desire to be best. Not not everybody is willing to pay that price to be best. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of pitch, I've had a, I've had a lot of pitchers that had talent that that had nice careers, but they could have had great careers, mm-hmm. and and they they just weren't will, they just weren't willing to pay the price. And and as much as you would approach them with this and make them aware of it, you know, I mean, I used to like say like, you know, yeah, I would say to them, you know, you're you're bouncing checks. I said, they go, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, you're going to the Mercedes deal. You think you could buy a Mercedes for five grand? You don't have enough in your account for that. That's uh-huh. that's not what best is. That's not what best. You're not investing in yourself. And so you use all these analogies to help people because you hope that one of these analogies are going to really trigger to somebody. You know, uh-huh. so when you when you when you look at making an investment in yourself, you know, one of the other analogies that I use, and I, and I and I have I've had pitchers actually do this. I give them an assignment that day, so. I say to them, I said, listen, today at the end of this day, if you have, if your routines are best, I'll give you a penny. Let's say this is the first day of the month. I'll give you a penny today. Tomorrow you're best. That penny will double. Now it's two pennies. The third day, it's four. The, the fourth day, it's eight. The fifth day, it's 16. The, seventh, the sixth day, it's 22. And at the end of the week, it's worth 64 cents. I'll keep doubling that for 31 days of this month, or I can just write you a check for it right now. I'll write you a check for a million dollars. Which one would you take? Wow. Go, go, go run those numbers. It's over $5 million. When wow. That doubling. Now, day, day 31, it turns into, I think it's a little over $5 million. And, and, and that, and that's compounded interest. I mean, so, and so, so that when you can invest in yourself, that's, that's what you're doing as far as your own personal development. And, and and I would challenge people to say, look, if you if you could spend a minimum of ten minutes, if you can go to twenty, that's be- that's even that's best. But if you spend twenty minutes of literally just quieting your mind and and go through some type of mindfulness practice and do that for thirty days, you'll you'll never go back. You'll never go back to anything that you've done before because you, your mind will be in such an incredible place that you'll, you'll start to see things so differently in every aspect of your life, your career, your family, your personal life. You'll start seeing it so differently, and, and you'll start literally asking yourself, what are the realm of possibilities? And then you start to realize you start to make a difference in other people's lives in a very powerful way, and then that, that, that's when you really start going to a whole other direction. Unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. Thank you for that, Rick. This is, this is major. Rick Peterson, ladies and gentlemen, the book is Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best uh, When It Matters the Most. Stop what you're doing and just download it right now. If it's a Kindle or just order it on Amazon immediately. This is a book. It's a must read. You should have it in your library. Uh, and you should also uh, uh, make it a family event. Share it with the family. Share it with your kids. Uh, and just read a chapter a day if you could, just just to go through it 
and make it a part of your life. So it becomes a part of, it becomes a, a behavior. This book, everything in it should become a behavior. It's absolutely amazing. Rick, thank you. And I want you to come back on the show if you would, uh, because My I pleasure. absolutely love talking to you. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you I so much. Very you. Absolutely. RickPetersonCoaching.com, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Rick Peterson, uh, famed uh, uh, coach, uh, uh, world-renowned uh, uh, coach and mindset uh, peak performance trainer and leader. Uh, Philippe Matthews Show, uh, radio show, thanks for tuning in wherever you are. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.